Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Hail to that cross. You took my place, oh God. You paid my ransom, my ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Begin reading there. The Bible says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And they were there. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Almost Christmas. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for allowing us to be in this place today to sing songs to you, to praise you, to worship you, to hear the word read aloud. God, I pray that we would hear more than just my voice today, God, that you would speak to us from your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. It's almost Christmas. I know there are still people in the room who haven't finished their Christmas shopping. Amen. Both elders in the building raised their hand as well as a lot of other people. Uh, here's, the, here's the deal. Typically, when you get to about, um, now for some people, when you get to, you know, October 12th, they're done with Christmas shopping. You know, some, right? And, and, and only women, though. Never, not men. That, that's a total chick thing, y'all, so figure yourself out. Uh, but by the time you get to like January 15th, uh, January 18th, we're, st- we're on January 23rd. What that typically means is that 95% of all women are done with, with what they're, if, if they buy anything else, it's food, there'll be some cooking going on, but gift-wise, they've got that all figured out, their planners they figured out, but what it means as we get into the late teens and the, the 20s of December is dudes' minds start scrambling, thinking, oh, snap. <laughs> if I'm going to buy, I, I, see, the good news for me is I don't buy presents on Christmas. Don't feel bad if you don't get a card from me, I don't send them. Don't feel bad if you don't get a present from me. My children don't get a present from me. People are like, Pastor, you're such a Scrooge. No, we do things. We have fun. We give gifts all year long. We just try to make that day, and this is our tradition. I love people that do Christmas the way they do Christmas. You don't have to do Christmas the way I do Christmas, but I, I determined a long time ago I wasn't, I wasn't going to buy into this world system. I, I'm not, I'm not going to. Some of y'all are part of that uh, commercialization I was reading this week, United States government statistic. Now, this is wild because they used a $50,000 salary because there's a lot of people that make that much. I hope one day uh, everybody will make that much. Amen? <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, some of y'all are like, oh, I've been making that much. Well, good for you. Give more. <laughs> but 
they use $50,000 for a family income, a combined family income, and they said that the average family in America with a $50,000 household income will be spending $462 per child on Christmas. Let me tell you something. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Kids are like, don't say that. I need a new laptop. No, you don't. Go to the library. Y'all don't even know how good going to the library is. Dina can tell you. When we grew up, there were no computers. There, there was none of that stuff. We, there weren't even cell phones. There weren't there, there even cordless phones. Uh, there was none of that stuff. And if you wanted anything, uh, if you wanted to do any school project, you had to go to the library. Well, the cool thing about going to the library is my mom got in the habit of hearing us say we, were, we had to go to the library, and, you know, there were no GPS trackers then either, so figure that out. $462 per child. Now, listen, if you've got it stacked fat, I mean, if, if you're like John Cena, your money's stacked fat and you can't turn the swell off, then just keep on doing it. I mean, spend all you have. But if you're charging those gifts, like over 90% of Americans are charging them, you have sunk yourself into debt because they ran another survey on kids. You ready for what kids say? in the 70 to 90% bracket that the majority of the gifts that they receive for Christmas are either unneeded or unwanted. That's what the children say. You, you, you ever went out and bought something and you thought, oh, th this is the one. They're going to love this. And three years later, they still ain't never even played with it. You don't know about it. It's hiding in their closet. You thought you really stepped up. Listen, Please, no matter what your tradition is, listen, if you want these crazy people to go out and spend all your money on Christmas trying to get your kids to love you or just that's your tradition, whatever, then, then fine. But please make something about this week, Christmas, have to do with Jesus. Let, let's, 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 they say keep Christ in Christmas. Man, I saw a great one this year. It said keep Christ in Christians. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, it's easy to attack all these other. Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. I see these people, they get fired up arguing. I, people, I, I saw one, one thing, this lady went on a rant on the news, man. She was on CNN News just blasting about how offended she is this time of year, how she hates this time of year because she's tired of people shoving the name of Christ down on her, hiding it in Christmas. And she, she tells people, don't tell me Merry Christmas. Tell me Happy Holidays. Because I ain't part of that fake religion that you're a part of. That's her business. That's what she thinks. Uh, she'll realize when she dies uh, how real Christ is. Uh, I hope she finds him before then. But then there was equally the other people. They were fighting mad at people for putting up signs that say happy holidays. And they're like, no, we're going to keep Christ in Christmas. And then when I saw that, how about keeping Christ in Christians? I thought, man, we wouldn't even be having a happy holidays, Merry Christmas battle if we really were keeping Christ in Christians. Listen, 24-7, all year long. Mm, that's too deep. Let me get into my Christmas story. Uh, Y'all love me anyhow. Uh, before I get into the teaching this morning, uh, I just want to say I'm glad to be here today. Typically, I'm not here. Uh, this Sunday, this, this is my vacation, um, but I, I, was, um, uh, I was blessed and forced to have to stay here this week, 
uh, because Friday, uh, there was something that had to be done uh, that, that I had to take part in Friday at 11 o'clock. Uh, Elder Jimmy, our, uh, Dina, and myself uh, were blessed to be able to sign on behalf of the church uh, to purchase this property, and we moved from renting to owning at 11 a.m. on Friday. Well, what time did you wire the money? Oh, we, I guess we started owning at about 1 o'clock, uh, according to the administrator. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about that. It's going to give us lots of great opportunities. And listen, they can't kick us out anymore. Our rent's not going to go up. It's locked in. The mortgage payment is what it is. And, and so I'm excited. And since I had to be here Friday for that, I thought I'd bore you all with me here one more again on Sunday morning. Uh, but I, I thank God for this church, for the people of this church, for the way that God is just blessing uh, allowing us to minister to the community and to the world at large. I typically hear from most of our missionaries, if not all of them, this time of year, uh, you know, under the guise of just wanted to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas, but they understand what I understand. The lowest giving chair in all charities, not just Christian churches and missionaries, but in all nonprofit work, the lowest month for giving is always December. You want to know why? $462 per child. That's why uh, people spending their money on fruitcake. Uh, listen, everybody don't love fruitcake. Amen? I know some people get stuff given to them, and they're like, hmm, give it to somebody else. We have up here our Jesus box. I did not push this hard this year, but it is here for you. If you want to give a special present to the Lord, we use this box uh, the money that comes in and through this box that is given as a Christmas gift to the Lord. Because whether you give gifts to each other or not, you ought to give something to the Lord. If it was my birthday and you came to my birthday and you had a present for everybody else, I wouldn't be mad at you. But you better have something for me. You come to my house for my birthday, give everybody else a present, look at me and say, hey, we're out. But we take this money and we use it the way I think Jesus would use it. We use it to help hurting people. We use it to fund our benevolence program uh, throughout the year. And I want to see that increase. And if you want to give a gift, that box will be out here through the remainder of the year. But it, it was cool because Friday was December 21st, which is uh, the beginning of winter. And I love when natural and spiritual things align. It's like the January 1st, New Year's resolution. The, our mind is conditioned psychologically that it's a fresh start. And so people gear up and try to do better on January 1st. And spiritually, we get a fresh start anytime we want one. I love what I heard one person say about the, the scripture that says, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. He said, joy doesn't, the morning doesn't have to be when the sun's coming up. The morning just has to be when you wake up and realize that God's ready for you to do better. And so we get a fresh start anytime we want one. But I like when psychology, when our mind can line up with our spirit and, 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 and propel us forward and Friday was the beginning of a brand new season for the world. We moved from uh, fall or autumn to winter. And for some people, that's their favorite time of year. For others, it's not. But it is a new season. Say new season. So in the natural, we started a new season on Friday. 
and, and God flooded my spirit after that signing and realized not only is the whole world starting a new season today, but we're starting a new season right here in this church moving from rent to ownership. So I want you to know it's a good thing to be in a new season and God is opening heaven up over us. And, and things are happening. If God is not blessing your socks off, you need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. You need to position yourself to where you can be blessed so you're not just saying it. Man, I tell you, I never really just punched anybody for saying it. I have thought it. And, you know, Jesus said if you thought it, you're guilty. So forgive me, Lord. But when I say, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? And you go into your little Christian spiel. Oh, Pastor Scott, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head, not the tail, always above and never beneath. It got, God is so good, ain't he good? How you doing? Oh, Pastor, I'm blessed. Now, if you really are, if that's really how you feel, I mean, if you, if, uh, if you couldn't be any better, if you're just stacking it up, if everything is just coming up uh, fine and dandy like Christmas candy, then awesome, say that. But don't let it just be words. Let it become your reality. I want to see you blessed and highly favored. I want to see you in, in, in enjoying uh, God in the land of the living. And we're in a new season. I want you to get in a new season. Uh, you can put behind you. Listen, what is already behind you. Did you hear me? You can put behind you mentally what is already behind you in every other way. Your past is your past. Whether it was 50 years ago or 15 seconds ago, it's already behind you. The only thing connecting you to it is this. You think it's this, but it's not this, it's this. If it was this, we'd be in trouble because these things are hard to break. If it was your heart, no, it's your head. It's your mental processing it. And I want you to give yourself permission to do what the great apostle Paul said was his key to being successful. He said, I forget those things that are behind me. If you don't hear anything I have to say about Christmas this morning, hear this. Let the past be the past. God gives you permission to move on, to move forward, to forget about those things. Listen, don't hold on to your successes. They'll make you big-headed. Don't hold on to your failures. They'll make you sad-headed. Move in the new season of every day. We're in this Christmas season. All around the world, people are talking about and celebrating Christmas, arguing about happy holidays, Merry Christmas. I, I, I think it's cool to me that even people that, don't love the Lord and don't even realize that the word Christmas has the name Christ in it, that, that that's getting put out there on the heavy level this time of year. But I think that for those of us who name the name of Christ, Christmas ought to have a special meaning to us. Now, there's no way in the world that I personally believe that the birth of Jesus Christ happened on December 25th. I don't believe that because I know the history of how we came up to December 25th, and it's not rooted in the birth of Christ. It's rooted in other things, and we flipped it to say, well, let's use that day for Christian means, just like almost all of our other holidays are rooted in other things, and we decided to throw a Christian alternative on it. But the reality is, and we'll see in a minute as we look at the shepherd story uh, and what happened to the shepherds on that night, that they were keeping their flocks by night. 
This time of the year in that region, shepherds did not keep their flocks by night. They were in at night. And so it wouldn't have been this time, but we, because for whatever reason, God purposed to let the world set aside this day. It doesn't have to be the day that Jesus was born on to celebrate him. It's just like Easter. It shouldn't have to be Easter for you to celebrate resurrection. You should celebrate the fact that God sent his son every day. And you should celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead to be the first among many who would eventually rise from the dead. Uh, read between those lines. That's us. So you ought to celebrate these things. But I hope that this time of year will have some special imp- uh, impact on you. I hope that on Christmas you will, you, you will give God thanks for his son. I want us to spend some time reading about that first Christmas day in St. Luke's Gospel this morning. And when we get to this part about the shepherds, I want to I want to point out some things that they did, because if we do what other if if we do what they did, we can have what they had, and and they had great joy, they had great favor, the, uh, they had great intimacy with God, and those are things that I want for all of us. Let's look at verse one again. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Everybody's got to show up and register. Who they are, how many people in their family. Listen, I don't know how they get these census numbers. I have never one time answered no census question. 55 years of living on this planet. Have you, Deacon? Where are they getting these numbers? How many people ever answered a census? All 80 of y'all. How many people never filled out no census paperwork in their whole life? We're all sneaking. Oh, oh, six of y'all. What the other hundred of y'all doing? Oh, you don't raise your hand in church. I forgot. Let me keep moving. <laughs> this was going on then. So they had, they had to travel, and they had to go and get this done. Verse 2 says, this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for this census. Now, I thank God, y'all people who have filled these papers out, I bet they didn't make y'all travel to Jackson, Mississippi to do it. You say, wait, all from Jackson? No, I'm from San Diego, California. Can't you tell? People are like, where'd you get your accent? Where are you from? I'm I'm from the south, Southern California. I'm glad I don't have, if I did have to fill out a census, I'm glad I wouldn't have to drive all the way to California because that's just too far to go. They had, and they had to walk. Think about this now. Uh, We have it easy. Stop complaining. That's a good message for everybody. So they had to go back to, to their, their, their family city. Verse 4 was a descendant of King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 5 says he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. Now, I don't have time to get into my man here, but my man Joseph is underappreciated in modern Christianity. This dude is under a pre- This dude may be the greatest living example of faith in action of any man that ever lived. It took Mary no faith at all to believe that what she was pregnant with was from God because she had never met nobody that didn't have sex that got pregnant. So she didn't have to think, did I dream that? Was that just my mind playing tricks on me? No, that's real right there. I, I, you can look in the mirror and know that's real. 
Uh, so she knew. She, she had confirmation that what she had been told was not imagination, was not speculation, was not just faith or hope. She, she knew that on the real because she had sight. She could see that she was pregnant. Now, my dude Joseph, he's a straight faith man. Straight faith man. Because here, here's the thing. And, and I tell guys this every, time, every year this time. If your woman, who you have not had sex with, comes up and says, Hey, bro. Pregnant. You need to run. You need to run. Don't let her trick you into no DNA test. That might have been your brother with your DNA. You'd be paying for his child the rest of your life. You th- Listen, this man believed this story. Do you realize the depth of faith that takes? It's like... You know, you get up on the diving board. You, we got a we got a ten meter diving board in my neighborhood, and they have college diving championships there, and all this kind of crazy stuff. Uh, man, I got up on that thing one time, and I looked down, and I thought, "This ain't me. This ain't what I do. This ain't how I do it." Um, I, but I look, I turn around, look back at the ladder. Uh, any of y'all grew up in Jacksonville? Any of y'all remember Strickland's uh, Lake? Uh, out on Kingsley Lake, Strickland's used to have that high dive. Man, when I was a kid, first time I climbed up there, I made everybody behind me mad because I climbed right back down. <laughs> no, this ain't me. I climbed up on this thing in our pool at Eagle Landing. I looked down there, and I thought, oh, this still ain't me. But I turned around, and I looked back, and the whole ladder was stacked. Little five-year-olds. Nine-year-olds. And I thought, well, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And this is how most people get through most difficult things in their life, by realizing if others have been through it, I can get through it. If if others, you know, were able to, to live through it, I can live through it. Nobody ever lived through what Joseph was living through. Nobody ever had a woman tell them I'm pregnant and I ain't had sex with nobody and believed it. That's for sure. Now, Mary never, nobody ever did what Mary did either, but she knew that there was a baby on the inside of her, and she never had, you know there was times in Joseph's life. My man Jay was laying up in the cut thinking what? Am I still believing this story? Because I see that belly getting bigger, and I swear I ain't trying to raise him if he ain't mine. But he believed, now he did, he had a visitation, uh, but man, he believed it. Joseph is undersold. Y'all, I'm, I'm going to keep moving. I can stay on that dude all day because I just think he's a great example. Can you believe what God tells you? God ain't never told you nothing that hard. God, God ain't never told you anything. Your woman's pregnant, it ain't yours, but go ahead and deal with it anyhow. The Bible says uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, he was going to dip, he uh, the King James says he was minded to put her away privily. That meant I, I'm going to break up with her on the low and get away from this because I, I'm not. But a, an angel came to him and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And I'm thinking, my wife? Well, who's she pregnant with? But anyway, I, I'm going to keep moving off Joseph. That's, that's my guy. But he, him and Mary, pregnant. She's pregnant. He's believing by faith it's the Lord. And they're traveling back to his 
family's hometown of Bethlehem. Verse 6 says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, comma, a son. She gave birth to her first child, comma. Always pause on the punctuation. You have got to understand this. Start reading the Bible while paying attention to the punctuation. When, when there's a comma, that's cause for pause. When there's a sentence, that's a complete thought. When there's a colon, that's a greater explanation of what's being said. When there's an exclamation point, that's an emphatic statement. When there's a question, it's something to ponder. Read paying attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. It will help you understand it. And take it in small pieces, bite-sized chunks where you can think about it. When, when I read this, she gave birth to her first child. Because we're a Bible teaching church, I talk to y'all a lot about principles of understanding Scripture uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a better format so everything just doesn't go over your head. There's lots of principles that people have developed over the years to help us understand or to have good hermeneutics, which is a theological word for the art and science of properly interpreting Scripture. And one key hermeneutic that is taught through orthodox theologians is the principle of inference. It's what's inferred. You never want to guess what the Bible is saying, but sometimes the inference is obvious. You only want to use the principle of inference in obvious things because you don't want to start guessing about Scripture. But when it says she gave birth to her first child, what does that infer to anybody? She had more than one. This is common sense to everyone who reads this except the largest Christian denomination in the world. The only Christian denomination with a billion people in it, the Roman Catholic Church. I'm, I was born into the Catholic Church. I, I've studied Catholicism. God saved me and brought me into a greater understanding. But all Catholics around the world are taught that Mary is a perpetual virgin. That Mary, listen, not only never had any other children, but are you ready for this? Lived her whole life, somebody said, as a virgin. That sounds better than what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> How do you read this and think that she never had another baby? When it clearly says she gave birth to her first child. When in the scripture we see her, her other four sons named Two daughters named, no reason to believe that there weren't more whose names didn't get thrown into it because in, in case y'all don't realize, it's just been in the last 50 years people quit having big families. Some of y'all came out of big families. How many of y'all or your mother or your grandmother had, had at least uh, five or six other siblings? Eight, ten. Yeah, that, now that's all the people from Jackson, Mississippi right there. Uh, <laughs> uh uh, amen. Uh, my, my mom was one of six. Her, her mother was surely of, of bigger than that. We're from Louisiana. You, you know why people in Louisiana have, have lots of babies? Get their free work. Uh, that people had lots of babies when we lived in an agricultural community. This was an agricultural time. There, there, there were fields to be planted. There was harvest to be done. There was work to be. Listen, kids didn't always sit around playing with their thumbs. <laughs> they didn't even 
get center, they didn't even get to go play sports with their friends. You know why? They, my, my mom, my mom, tell you straight up, she got held out of school every year for weeks at a time. When there was planting to be done, there was no school to go to. When the harvest was to be done, they, they worked the field. But so Mary, come on, y'all, read the scripture with understanding. Mary is not a perpetual virgin. Mary is not this, uh, but here's the deal. Because too many Protestants have what I call Romophobia, they think that everything the Church of Rome has done is wrong, which it's not. Uh, they run from everything. They run to the other end, whereby one group of people may, uh, because of the love and esteem that they have for the virgin mother, uh, they, they, they might add a little extra and, and be too extra with it, but there's a whole group of Protestants out there that don't give Mary enough credit. God chose this one woman in the whole world to, to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she is, listen, that, that phrase everybody wants to apply to themselves, she is blessed and highly favored. Amen? Uh, but she gave birth to her firstborn child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Every time I read that verse, it, 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 it tugs at my heart uh, because I think about God and how great he is, sending his great son into a world that was not willing to make room for him. There was no room for them in the village inn. Uh, now, don't be mad at village inn. They still got good pie. Uh, you can still eat there. But there was no room in the local hotel, in the local bed and breakfast. They, they, they wouldn't let them in could you imagine how heartless you got to be you got a man and a woman weary been walking for a long time she's pregnant and in labor and they're like ah y'all can't stay here y'all can go out in that cave over there where the animals sleep uh you know bunk up in there uh that that's just heartless that 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 that, that shows no compassion but i want you to know uh, as, as the one author said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I, I see a world today that still has no room for Jesus. I, I see people's homes today that have no room for Jesus. And I hope that you make room uh, for Jesus in your life, not just at Christmas, but every day. Verse 8 says, that night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. So here we get into the shepherd story, and I want you to, to, to see some things with me as we look at this. I'm going to just pull some things right out of the Scripture and consider them with you this morning. Verse 9 says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terribly frightened. There is a church in Jacksonville, and there may be more than one, crazy off the frame, crazy. People wonder why we're living in a post-church era People wonder why folk don't want to come to church. Listen, I understand people don't want to come to Abundant Life because white people don't like sitting in church with black people. Black people don't like coming to church with white people because they want the music to last for four and a half hours. Uh, that's a joke. And a true, you go to any Kojic church you want to, they're still singing. It's 1129 right now. You think the preacher's standing up in any Kojic church in America right now? I'm going to go on a limb and say no. You think he's going to be standing up by noon? I'm going to stay on that limb. No. 
he's going to get up by about 12.15. He's going to preach for about an hour and a half. And then guess what's going to happen again? Until 3. At, <laughs> how do we get on that? Folk don't want to come to church. I get it here. We're, we're different. We're a multiracial church in a racist world. We, we're a church that have decided that what makes us us is not our color, but our Christ. We've decided that the thing that binds us and, 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 and makes us uh, be fam is that we have the same father. Uh, you need to go to Jeff's update the website at, at B, what, bfam.com. What's the website? Does, it, does, does the website work? Christian B-Fam Apparel. Christian B-Fam Apparel. Uh, uh, go, go get that. But the commonality we have is our faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, but people that don't understand all that, people that visit churches that don't understand that connectivity, they have been exposed to some ridiculous things. We had a... We had a guy, the only person, one of only two people that invited me to church my entire time at Ed White High School. They, they, these kids now praying at the poles. We had a flagpole at Ed White. Wasn't nobody praying around. They were smoking weed under it. We, it just wasn't that type of party back then. There wasn't no, you know, youth groups in, in the school and Bible clubs in the school when, when I was going to school at Ed White. Uh, but we had a guy in... And he, he was, you know, he was trying to cheese up on my sister. He was trying to date Dina, so he was playing that Christian role, and he invited us. You know what I'm talking about, Terry James? Uh, you mad I said his name? I don't even think he's on Facebook. But he invited her slash us to church um, with him. Now, we, we, you know, we've been to church before. We wasn't going then. We were, you know, too busy being drunk. But I don't know why. I mean, other than the fact, you know, he was trying to do that guy thing. Listen, guys will many times fake a Christianity uh, for, for other purposes. Anybody understand what I'm saying? All right, don't get snuck. Uh, but he was trying to sneak my sister. So we go to this school, this church, uh, and, man, literally, Crazy off the frame. It was wild. Now, we've been born in the Catholic Church. We've been through Catholicism. We've gone to a little Baptist church. We've made fake professions of faith in Christ, walked aisles, prayed prayers, both been baptized, still lost and on our way to hell. And we, we end up in this church on the west side of Jacksonville, and they are literally running around the building screaming at the top of their lungs. All of them screaming at the top of their lungs and tongues. And the pastor starts walking around and walking between the pews and grabbing people and screaming at them. And I'm like, oh, Lord, God. God's heaven truth. We got out of those. We got on the ground and we hid from this man. I'm up under the pew. You ain't grabbing me, bruh. Not today. So we got this angel of the Lord that appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terribly what? Fright. We got a church in Jacksonville right now. There's probably others. 
<laughs> I'm not even going to give you their website because it's straight foolishness. You don't need to waste any of your time with it. But they'll, they'll be preaching, and the man or the woman will be up there preaching, and they have the fake voice on. I don't trust preachers to preach with a fake voice, uh, even though most of them do. Turn with me today to Romans chapter 12. What? Nobody talks like that. But anyway, they put the fake. Oh, everybody, look. Look at the pretty two angels standing in the back. Everyone turn around and wave and say, hi, angels. You look so pretty today. Am I telling the truth, Dina? In that church in the city, just this wild, crazy, nut job, psycho, twisted. That's why folk don't want to go to church. Could you imagine me like, sup, angel? Man, you're looking sharp today. Give me some. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> then you know. Finally. You finally snap. They weren't saying everybody turn around and look at the pretty angel. They went on this rant one time. Oh, that's such a pretty dress. My goodness, that's a heavenly robe. I'm like, what do you think they got it at Kmart? And you think they're shopping on the two for the BOGO? <laughs> Nuts. But anyway, they were terribly what? Let me tell you something. If an angel came into this building right now, we wouldn't be waving at the angel saying, Hi, pretty angel. We'd be fell out on the floor, terrified. This is, this is a story throughout all scripture. People fell down when they saw angelic beings. When they saw what, what the Bible refers to or what theologians refer to as a theophany, an Old Testament appearance in the form of God, people fell down. And these shepherds, man, they, they're out there doing their job. Listen, there, there's a whole sermon in that. You want God to show up? Do your job. Get to it. Sitting at the house being lazy, you, you're not invoking God. They're doing their job, and God showed up. That's a whole sermon. Y'all preach that to somebody this week. But the, this angel shows up, and the radiance of God's glory is, surrounds them, and they were terribly frightened. First thing I want you to see, we're talking about what the shepherd, we got to do what the shepherds did. They were in the right place at the right time. You want to be in the right place at the right time. God is a God of seasons. God is a God of timing. God is a God of logic, faith, and hope. And, and there, there, there's a right time uh, for everything. Um, and I believe you're, you're in the right place at the right time today. I mean, obviously, you can look around and see a lot of people. Now, I know a lot of them are traveling, a lot of them out of town. People call me, let me know. They, they'll be traveling all around the world, and, that, and that's awesome. But some people just don't come to church anymore. When I was in Bible college in the early 80s, um, there were only two types. Of, they talked to us about two types of people. You're going to have two types of people in your church, and they weren't thinking white or black, rich or poor, educated or uneducated. They were, they were talking about saved and unsaved. They were talking about uh, born again and not born again, people going to hell, people going to heaven, two types of people. And that really typically was uh, what the world consisted of. They said, as you go about your daily walk, you're going to see two types, of, there's two types of people everywhere you go. Two types of people in the grocery store, two types of people at school, two types of people on the job, lost and saved people, and they're going to show up in your church. Well, there has since become a third group of people, and it's specific to America because America is, is going down fast. 
And if, if you don't know, just, just keep watching. But this third group of people, this non-existent group of people around the world, and this third, this third group of people that never existed in America before 20, 30 years ago, is they're, they're not the churched or the unchurched. They're the de-churched. This group of people that used to be in church, they're saved for real. They used to be in church. They used to serve God, used to teach, preach, deek, serve, sing, lead, worship, used to park cars, used to read their Bible, used to study, used to pray, used to say their prayers, make good choices. They used to do all those things, but life got them out of church. And so now we're looking at we're looking at unchurch, we're looking at church people. We're looking at unchurched people, and we live in a world full of de-churched people. And my word to all three of those groups, wherever you find now, obviously today you're in church. Uh, but there have been lots of people in this room right now that was out of church for a while uh, through whatever situation, circumstance. My word to you, whether you're a church person, an unchurched person, or a de-churched person, my word is the same to everybody today. Get in the right place at the right time. And let me tell you where the right place at the right time is. On Sunday morning, you need to be sitting in a church that is lifting high the name of God, that is preaching from this old book that will never change. You need to be under the solid teaching of the infallible word of God. That's the right place at the right time. You know, the, the, it's so important that we come to church on Sunday morning, especially anytime we meet, you should make a purpose to be here, but especially on Sunday morning. The entire Jewish faith, all the followers of Jehovah, the followers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob met together for corporate worship on Saturday. But one event changed everything in the history of the world, even the time when people should meet for church. They always met for church on Saturday. The reason we meet for church on Sunday is because the apostles began to gather on Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection. That when Jesus rose on a Sunday morning, they started coming. Let's have, let's have church on Sunday morning. Let's just get together, sing, shout, clap, dance. Let's just throw money in a bucket and feed some poor people. Let's just gather together and worship together and study scripture together on Saturday because of the resurrection. And the Bible says that our faith is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. So coming to church on Sunday is the right thing to do. So here's the reality. If you don't do anything else right all week long, you were in the right place at the right time today. And I'm glad that you showed up. Hebrews 10, 25, that's the preacher's whipping verse. That, that's, that's every preacher's beat verse. That, that's, that's the church attendance belt whooping verse and it says let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do John Wilhelmina Ray Ray eight ball ice pick dodo she she as some but encourage and warn each other especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. Nobody's ever been more a part of that verse than we are. Nobody's never been more in that now that his coming back is drawing near closer than we are. So listen, don't neglect our meeting together. You need to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ, and you need to come, and you need to meet, and you need to do it. You need to be in the right place at the right time. I appreciate you coming to the Lord's house to honor him today. I really do. I know different people go to church for different reasons. 
Different people go to church for different reasons. The number one reason, they, they market so heavy in church now. They survey everything. They know every, every intimate detail about why people do what they do, psychology studies, behavioral sciences. The number one reason people go to church at the specific church they go to in America across the board is the music. We're a music-crazed church. If you don't believe that, watch how many people who name the name of Jesus will stay up watching award shows for music that sing about hoes getting drunk and doing drugs. I had somebody tell me, ain't nothing wrong with that music, man. That, that, that's, you know, God gave us music. Well, fortunately, this person had a teenage daughter. I said, okay, well, you know, we, we have nights of worship at the church, and we allow people to stand up and do creative arts, and uh, I would like for your daughter, since there's nothing wrong with that music and God gave it to us, I would like to print out some, some lyrics from a popular song. I, you just pick the artist, I'll pick their song, and let her stand up in front of the church and read that to the church from the pulpit. He's like, I ain't ashamed of that. I said, well, okay, well, hold on. Let me pull up one right now. And so I just pulled, I, I, I Googled top 10 rap songs, and I could have Googled country, but the person I was talking to was talking about rap music. I'd have got the same result. I could have Googled rock. Uh, but the words that were in the lyrics to this song were so vo. He said, oh, you had to pull that one. I know that one. You want me to pull a different one? Because I got all day. Songs that we wouldn't want our children speaking out of their mouth. Oh, well, ain't nobody trying to hear the words. I'm just into the beat. Yeah, the beat is driving those words deep into your subconscious. Okay? We, we, live, we live in a world that is drastically continuing to move further. Less people go to church now than ever before uh, in the history of this country. We got places, uh, our, our, our minister to Belgium, um, the city that they're in, the church is in there, has less than 2% of the people there go to any type of church at all. 98% of that whole country don't even show up for any kind of church. And America is leaning in that direction. We just crossed over the 50% barrier for the first time in the history of our country where some surveys, I don't believe they're all accurate, but I believe... Uh, some surveys say that less than 50% of Americans are now attending church. I see some say as many as 70, but you know a lot of people that used to be in church that aren't anymore, so I'm glad that you came to church to honor him today. I don't know how people can say Jesus is the reason for the season and, and not gather together on the first day of the week to celebrate him. I really don't. I don't know how people can claim the name of Christ. Uh, now I get it. You get hurt. You get upset. You move. Something happens. You transition. But eventually, you find a place and you get back in it. Amen? You find a place and you get back in it. Jesus is the reason for the season. It hasn't happened in a while, and it's not going to happen for another four years. But on Christmas Day, 2022, guess what day that's going to fall on? Sunday. And guess what mega churches all across the country have done every year, for every Christmas for the last 20 years when Christmas fell on Sunday? We closed the, they closed the doors to allow their people 
to stay at home with their families because that's what they think is the important thing to do on Christmas. You, uh, I thank God. Listen, you don't ever have to ask, Pastor, are we having church on Christmas Eve? Are we having church on Christmas Day? Are we having church on New Year's, on Valentine's Day, on Columbus Day, on St. Patrick's Day, on Secretary's Day, on I don't like my mother-in-law day? Yes! Because you got to be in the right place at the right time. I told you all about Thomas, man. Thomas, another underappreciated character in the Bible. Uh, people call him Doubting Thomas. He made great confession about who Jesus was. But the one time, say one time. The one time this brother didn't go to church, the Lord showed up. You know your luck. Don't miss church. You miss a service, church will be boring out of the frame. Nine months in a row. That one service you miss, God's going to show up. Heaven's going to fall over the place. Building's going to shake. Uh, just It's going to be off the chart. Well, maybe you should miss. Let me keep moving. Don't miss. Look at somebody and say, don't miss. In verse 10, Luke 2 says, but the angel reassured them. I guess so. He freaked them out. Got them terrified, shaking in their dresses. What did the man say at night at the museum? It's not a dress, it's a tunic. Uh, shaking in their tunics. He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. And I started to read this in the King James because this is just so great and so awesome, so poetic in the King James. But we'll stay with, with this passage of, of this great portion of Scripture. He said, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. I want you to know the announcement of the birth of Christ is good news. It is great joy, and it is for everyone. Verse 11 says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, this had to just be so awesome to these Jewish shepherds. Number one, because Bethlehem was a tiny little town that was that side of the tracks, and they, they had said nothing good can come out of that place. This, and so people that were there came from an underneath position. People that were there came from a minority position. People that were there came from an oppressed position. People that were there came from a look down upon position. These were hardworking, low-paid, servant-type, uh, less-than-blue-collar type people. They're field hands. And they're like, in our hometown? Now, you know, if you, everybody doesn't come from, from a small town. I took my kids through uh, where my mom's side of the family is. You know that you live in a small town if every street is named after whoever lives on it. Anybody ever been in one of them towns? Uh, that's, uh, my mom's last name is on the road to, to the street that she lived on. My, my, my uncle's last name on the road to the intersecting street that they still live on. And I showed them these two roads in this city, and they're like, man, we sure are glad Mimi left this place. We'd be still being raised there. But they're so excited because these Jewish shepherds, not only they're excited because something cool is happening in their little town, but because these three words that were declared to them, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, these three words were very familiar in their hearing because these were words used constantly by Jewish rabbis to declare the coming Redeemer. These were words used uh, throughout the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you a quick breakdown of these words because you need to understand who the Scripture is talking about. Savior means the promised one who would bring forgiveness of sins. Put that up on the screen for me, guys. Savior, is that on the screen? The promised one 
who would bring... Listen, I hope Jesus is your Savior. I hope that you have understood that by Him and through Him come the forgiveness of sins. See, everybody ought to want Jesus to be their Savior. These next two get a little bit more difficult. So we start with the easy news. He wants to bail you out, and I thank God for that. But the second word they used was Messiah. Say Messiah. Now, Messiah uh, gives reference to the, the Old Testament concept of the anointed high priest who would cover you. The anointed high priest who would bring you back to God. That, that, that connection to God from you as a sinful person to a holy God. That anointed high priest is the one who would bring you back to God. Now, in different versions, instead of the word Messiah here, it uses the word Christ. It doesn't say Messiah, it says Christ. So, somebody just shout out, what's the difference between Messiah and Christ. I'll give you a hint. Messiah means anointed one. What's the difference between Messiah and Christ? Nothing. Messiah is the Old Testament Hebrew word for anointed one, and Christ is the New Testament Greek word for anointed one. Christ is the English derivative of the Greek word Christos, and it means anointed. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament is Mashiach, uh, which uh, in Old English, King James, they wrote Messiah, but in current English, we use the word Messiah. But they both mean the anointed priest, uh, the anointed one who would bring us back to God. Now, we're in a time where people love a twist. If we did something weird here, people would come out to see it. If we started having um, healing lines and making the lights flicker every time I, I, I said uh, hoobop-a-doodle and, and, and thunderclap, uh, man, y'all got to come see what's going on at our church. It is incredible. And pe- people like a weird twist. Pe- people like to do stuff at trendy, catchy. Listen, the Scripture says it's new. It ain't true. All right? We, 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 we are an old-school Orthodox church. We, we believe in the truth from the beginning. We believe in the truth of revealed scripture, and we don't need anything catchy to make us want to come and serve God. Amen? Amen. God's worth serving without anything catchy. But one of the things that's catchy now is churches blowing shofars in their Christian church, adopting Jewish culture, even though the scripture says clearly in the book of Acts that we are to put none of these burdens on Gentile converts. You People saying you got to get back to your Jewish heritage. You got to start... Church is keeping the Seder. You got to come by my house on Friday. We're going to have some unleavened bread and some wine. Wine. Oh, I'm too. Uh, you got people blowing shofars and keeping festivals and feasts and connecting to their Jewish ancestry. I Listen, it, we, we ain't been Jews. We've been Gentiles. We don't have to connect back to all that stuff. But you, you got people, a whole group of people out there. Uh, saying that when we call him Jesus, we disrespect him. You should call him Yeshua. Or they get even deeper on you. And, and they call him Yeshua Amashiach, which is Jesus the Messiah. And they think that they're trendy and catchy because they're throwing a couple of Hebrew words at Jesus. But when they say Moses, they say Moses. I mean, okay, so when they say love, why, why are you just going to throw a couple? If it's, all, if it's so catchy just to speak Hebrew, why don't you get it all in? 
You're like, well, well nobody would do that. The largest church in the world uh, had the mass in Latin for hundreds of years. Nobody could understand it. You want to talk about catchy? Uh, they, they, they were doing that. But Messiah is just the Hebrew word for the anointed one. So you got Savior, you got Messiah. The third word the angel used was Lord. Say Lord. Now, this is even deeper, okay, because the first one is the Savior. That's the one who bails you out from your sins. That's, that, that's the lifeguard. You'd love the lifeguard if you know you're drowning. The second one is the anointed high priest that brings you back to God. That kind of gets in people's feelings because they're like, oh, you're saying I ain't close to God? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you need a Messiah. You need a Christ. Uh, but the third one really goes all in, Lord. It's the title of, of God who promised to come in the flesh and redeem mankind. This, this was saying that man is fallen and man needs to be brought back. Man needs to be redeemed. And this is the most prominent title of God in the Bible. And so I looked it up uh, in, in a Greek dictionary and, and listen to this exact reading from it. He to whom a person or thing belongs. Do you see that? He to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has the power of deciding now here's the deal if you say Jesus is my Lord here's what you're saying I belong to him he has the power to decide for me now see we talk about Lord and Savior a Savior is easy Lord is a whole different level everybody wants to be bailed out of the hot spot uh, everybody wants to be picked up out of the fire everybody wants this lifeguard to get them up out of the drowning spot but everybody doesn't want to say I belong to him. If he's your Lord, you recognize that you belong to him. Why? Because the Bible says we're not our own because we've been bought with a price. Uh, expansion of the definition went on to say he has the power of deciding. Another word for Lord, uh, synonymous with Lord, is master. I ain't calling nobody master. I'm my own person. Well, you need real salvation then because I got news for you. You can't have Jesus as Savior unless he's your Lord. You can't have Jesus as Messiah unless he's your Savior. And you can't have Jesus as Lord unless he's your Savior and your Messiah. That, that's like saying, you know, you, you just want your wife on Tuesdays and Fridays. Try that out. Or you, you, just, you just want half of your wife. But the other half, you just want nothing. To, listen, it's just it, it's all or nothing. Say all or nothing. Jesus is. This is who the, they declare the good news is. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. He is our boss, our owner, our master. That's why Paul said he was glad to be called a slave of Jesus. Now, in America, because of the great and horrible sin of slavery, people reel when we hear the word slave. Listen, nobody should be made to be a slave of another human being. Nobody should be made to be a slave of, 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 of a, a horrible person. But I want to tell you something. If you want to call yourself a Christian, you need to understand he's the boss. He's the master. He owns you. He decides for you. You got to be willing to say, I, I'm just like a slave to him because he owns it all. I'm living on his time, on his space, by his grace. And whatever he tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. This is a whole different level of Christianity than most people are signing up for. Verse 12 says, and this is how you will recognize him. 
you will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. This is unusual. This isn't how babies were born. This isn't some barbaric movie where, oh, I guess everybody was just born in caves back then and they just tore up uh, mule blankets and wrapped it around. No, this was an unusual birth. And so they, they said it would be very easy to know who we're talking about because you go into this manger, this cave, this animal trough, you're going to find the, the, the Christ, Messiah, the Lord, the Savior wrapped up in strips of cloth. Verse 13 says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Now this is real freak out mode now. I mean, here they were. They're out there doing their job. God shows up. That's cool, but it's always scary because they never seen no angel. They were terrified. They're hearing all this stuff. They're being told it's good news. Hey, here's the good news. Somebody, God's promised one to save you has finally shown up. Yeehaw, that's a party. Yeah, he is going to tell you what to do, when to do, how to do it. He's going to be your boss, owner, master, and you're going to have to yield to his decision. Well, now we got a decision to make. Do we want... Do we want to take all that to get to the good? Listen, it wouldn't matter to me what God said. If God, God said give 10% of your money, I'll accept that. If he said give 20, I'll accept that. He said uh, confess your sins and he'll forgive you of your sins, I'll accept that. If he would have said crawl on broken glass and light yourself on fire uh, uh, and, and, and burn a little bit of your skin up so you don't die and go to hell on fire forever, I'll accept that too. God had made it as hard on us as people act like he's made it on us. I'd do whatever he said to to stay out of hell. But uh, he, he has told us that we have to accept him for who he is. But here, they're all freaked out. They're hearing all this news, the good news, and some, some, some hard conditions followed with it. But then all of a sudden, now they got this whole host of people, large volume of other beings, armies of heaven, angelic beings everywhere praising God. This is just wild. But in verse 14, it says what they were saying. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. When the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the second thing I want you to understand is they believed what they heard. They believed what they heard. Put that on the screen. They believed what they heard. If you read scripture, if you hear someone else read scripture, you have to come to a position where you either believe it or you don't. If you believe it, it's going to, do, it's going to cause some things that we'll see in a minute. But they, they said, let's see this wonderful thing that has happened. They, they didn't say which might happen, which may be going down. They said, let's See this thing which has happened. I want to tell you something today. You can believe the word of the Lord. What God says ha happened, happened. What God says will happen, will happen. Everything in this book is true. You need to check all of your thoughts, all of your actions, all of your theology by this one book. If it's in this book, it's right. If it's not in this book, it's wrong. That's the bottom line when it comes to theology. Third thing, look at verse 16. They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. Third thing, they did something about what they heard. Here's the reality. Teaching create, uh, gives you information. Preaching should cause you to come to a place of decision. 
When you are made, brought face to face with truth, a decision should be made in your life. They did something about what they heard. They didn't walk. They didn't procrastinate. They ran. So listen, the Bible says be doers of the word and not hearers only. Coming to church and hearing the word is good. But what are you doing with it during the week? Coming to church and hearing the word is good, but the Bible says you're blessed in your doing, not in your hearing. It's nice to learn things about the Bible, but are you doing anything with the information? See, if you want what they have, you got to do what they did. They did something with what they heard. I want to tell you something. Get to stepping. Get moving. You got dreams? Start living them out. God told you he was going to do stuff? God, Jules, can, if God tells you you can be a published author and write a book, can, you, can, can, can that happen? You know that firsthand because you did something with what God told you and now you got books. See, this, this, if you have a dream, if you have something you believe God wants for you, get, put some action, put some feet to your prayers, get moving. They did something with the information they were given. There's too many people sitting like a bump on the log. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. That is the worst explanation of a passage of Scripture. That word waiting is an archaic old English word which is best seen by a waiter. What if you're like, out of Dr. Pepper, again. They ain't filled my cup, been here this whole time. You rattling the glass, and they're just over there leaning against the wall. I'm just waiting on y'all. You call this waiting? You hear that ice clinging? It's heaven's truth. I don't recommend it. I was with a preacher one time. We are in a restaurant. He got tired of shaking his glass. They walked past him. Well, he said, I bet they come now. He just smashed the whole thing on the ground. And then they were doing some real waiting. Waiting is active. Say active. You, you got you to put some feet to your prayers. Verse 17 says, then the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And the angel said to, and what the angel said to them about this child. Fourth thing they did, they told others about what they heard. I want to tell you something. This is still your job, my job today. You need to tell people what you hear from this book. You need to tell people what you hear about God. You need to act on it. You need to believe it. You need to run with it. You need to do something about it. And you need to go out and tell somebody what you heard. The Bible says, how can they hear unless someone tell them? You want people to get saved? Listen, maybe your son, daughter, brother, cousin, mom, dad won't listen to you because y'all got issues. You got to be praying the way the scripture says pray. Pray that God would send laborers into their field to tell them. But you got to be willing to be somebody else's teller. You got to be willing to tell somebody else's family. It's our job to do just what the shepherds did. They went and told others what they heard. Verse 18 says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. I'm talking to Joyce about uh, this, this Mary concept. Uh, one, one of my favorite songs is Mary, Did You Know? And the reality is, yes, she did. Mary was probably 14 years old when she gave birth to Jesus. Listen, that's too young in today's society. Somebody say amen. That's way too young. That's, that's double too young. Uh, but she was a young teenage girl, but she was deep in Scripture. When she went to Elizabeth, 
and, and started talking about what God was doing, she quoted dozens of Old Testament verses of Scripture off the rip. She knew the Bible. She knew what all this meant when God told her Messiah was going to be born to her, that she was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that a virgin would conceive and give birth to God in the flesh who would die for the sins of his people. She knew, Mary, did you know your baby boy would... She knew all that her baby boy was going to do. And so while the others were being astonished, that's a Greek word for excited and shocked, Mary was being reflective and contemplative because while everybody else is being excited, she's super excited. She just gave birth to a beautiful baby. She's super excited. She's favored of God. But she's also thinking in her mind, I know how this ends. She, she kept these things, uh, the King James says, she treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. She knew. She knew what was coming. Uh, it, go, it goes on to say in verse 20, The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. And because they had seen the child, just as the angel had said. Just as the angel had said, everything that they were told happened just the way it said it would happen. And I want you to know, just as it was said, is still true today. Read the Bible, you'll find out it's just as it was said. Start living out the Bible, you'll be one of those people testifying. It really works. Come to church and don't live anything, you'll be one of those people saying, I tried the Lord and it didn't work for me. It's still just as it was said. But it says they went back to their fields and flocks glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. Listen, there's so many messages in all this. If, if God shows up and gives you a, a little piece of instruction, gives you something to shout, holler, and be excited about, and, and then he leaves and you don't know what to do, go back to doing what you were supposed to be doing when he, when he showed up. Keep doing what you've been doing. Uh, here, but here's what they did. When they went back to their fields, the Bible says glorifying and praising God. Fifth thing they did, they gave God glory for what they heard. This is still our job today. You want to be blessed? You want to be excited? You want to live the life God has for you? You got to give God glory for what you heard. Now, in the Old Testament, the word glory, we've talked about it before. It means weight. It means to add weight to the claims of another. It's like a character witness in, in a trial. I've had so many people, and some I've said yes to, and some I've said I, I can't show up that day because I didn't want to be there, uh, have asked me, Pastor Scott, can you come be a character reference for me at my, at, at my hearing? They want me to come give them glory. They want me to add weight to their claim. Yes. Uh, T-Bone, what's your real name? Oh. Yes, Harry is a good man. Yes, ha Harry loves the Lord and comes to church. They, they want me to add weight to their claim. That's what the Old Testament word uh, means for glory. But this is a different word. Uh, that, the Old Testament word uh, is, is, it means weight. But in this passage, a different word used, the Old Testament word is kabod. That, that means to add weight to the claims of another. That's, how, that's one way to give God glory. But this New Testament word is doxa, where we get our doxology from. And it means to cause the dignity and worth of some person or something to become manifest and acknowledged. To praise, magnify, celebrate, consider excellent. To, to, in this concept, to give glory means to put up on top. To celebrate, magnify, exalt, to, to honor, to, 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 to let everybody know this is the highest, highest thing in the whole world. And not only did they give God for, for, 
uh, glory for what they heard. The sixth thing they did, they gave God praise for what they heard. We talked about praise. I preached a series on praise. Talked about seven different Hebrew words for praise and a bunch of Greek words for praise and the different ways that you can praise God. This word for praise is, is the Greek word aneho, and it means to celebrate in song as a recommendation. Okay? Now, you can sing songs. Now, this, one of the reasons I don't like contemporary Christian music as much as some people do is because when I listen to it, it sounds like we're singing about us. You know? I mean, it, it, and I get some of it's based in, in, in biblical truth, but, you know, we've got the victory, we've got the victory. Okay, well, there's some truth in that, but is it designed to make you thankful for God or to swell you up thinking how victorious you are? I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Well, is that designed to give God praise for who he is? Or is that, I mean, there's a lot of us in a lot of current songs. But the praise they were doing, this word uh, doxa means to sing celebration songs that recommend God to others. Christian songs ought to be about God. Christian songs shouldn't be about Christians. Did you get that? You want to write a song to God? Write a song about God. I mean, can you imagine somebody throwing a party for you? We throwing a party for you at the fellowship hall. And I stand up, and I, and I just give praise for everybody. You know, uh, Deacon Ken uh, uh, over, oversees our food and clothing ministry. If we decided to, to give a party for him after food and clothing one day, and I thank God, it just went on and on and on about every other person that volunteers in food and clothing, never said nothing Nothing wrong with me giving credit. The Bible says give credit to whom credit's due. Nothing wrong with me celebrating all those other people in the room. If I just spent the whole time thinking about, man, I just thank God for Deacon Dixon, hardest working man in show business, up here all the time, food and clothing, just giving his life to this ministry, carrying heavy boxes, doing work, just, just hard. And I just made, but the party's supposed to be over here, but I'm just all over here. Do, do you see there's something? I, I mean, I'm missing something there. Ain't nothing wrong to sing songs that encourage you. But if you're going to sing a song about God, sing a song about God. Put the emphasis on the right thing. They, they gave praise for what they heard. They recommended, say recommend, by song. And if we're supposed to do the same thing they did, let me ask you this. Who's the last person you recommended God to? You know, 90% of people in church are there by way of personal invitation. Somebody recommended that they show up. You want to get more people in church? You want to see your family get saved? You want to see your family and friends grow in Christ? Recommend God to them. Recommend to them a place where they can come and sing celebration to God. Recommend a place to them where they can come and hear a preacher brag on God. I'm, I'm almost done. I got one last scripture I'm going to read and we're out of here. Verse 21 says, Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, his name, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. We saw three words. We saw Savior. We saw Messiah, which is also Christ. And we saw Lord. And here we see a name. Say name. We saw three words. Here we see a name. Three words describe who he is. This name uh, shows even more of who he is. Because the Greek name Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew name Yehoshua. Or Yeshua, it cracks me up all these fake wannabe, you know, trendy Christians. Uh, I don't call Jesus, that's disrespectful. You're dumbing him down to your English language. I call him by his given name, 
uh, Yeshua. Well, really? Because there are lots of places that, uh, lots of manuscripts that say his given name was Yehoshua. There, there's even older manuscripts that say his given name was Yahashawin Awahayin. You want to roll with that? You ready for that? Oh, no, you just want to be cool and call him Yeshua HaMashiach because that rhymes. And that's something you can remember. Listen, the name, nobody is mad at you. Everybody in this room that, that, that calls this man by a name uses some derivative, Brother Jimmy, uh, some people still call him Deacon Jimmy. He was a, a deacon. His, his title now is Elder Jimmy. Uh, none of that is his name. When he had to sign uh, them 900 pages on the mortgage Friday at 11 o'clock, he's sitting there concentrating, trying to write down James L. Was it L? Rich. And I'm thinking, when the last time anybody called you James L. Rich? That's Jimmy. That's Elder Jimmy. Does it make you mad when I call you on the phone and say, hey, Jimmy, what's up? You, you, you ever just felt just swole and thought, you should call me by my gift? You ever felt disrespected because I didn't formalize you? Nobody's disrespecting Jesus by calling him Jesus. You know why? Because we speak English. Everybody that knows Jessica in this church, calls her Jessica. That ain't what their parents call her. Anybody want to take a shot? Hesica. You know why? Because that's her given name. But she's not mad at you calling her Jessica if you say it with the, with the right look in your face. She is Puerto Rican, though, so you say it with a smile. Now, see, and if there was a real Puerto Rican typing, they wouldn't put H-A-H-A-H-A. What's that spell? You know what they'd put? J-A-J-A-J-A. But you know what that spells? Same thing. Ha, 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 ha. Because that's just how it is. You're not disrespecting Jesus by calling him Jesus, but I want you to know what it means. It's the English form from the word Joshua. Every English-speaking child named Joshua was named after Jesus because it's a transliteration of the word Jesus. Joshua and Jesus come from the exact same Hebrew word, which was transitioned through Latin into English. But the meaning is God is salvation. You want to know what Jesus means? Jesus means God is salvation. The exact same thing Joshua means. The same thing Yehoshua means. The, the, the same thing that Yeshua means. Um, so the angel in, in giving, see the angel told Joseph, you call his name Jesus, but what that meant to them was his name means God is salvation. And when the angel came to Joseph and said, you call his name Jesus, he, he put an addendum on that. He said, because he will save his people from their sins. God is salvation. Who is salvation? Who's the Savior? Jesus. Jesus' name means God is salvation. So guess who Jesus is? Jesus is God. Jesus is the one who saves his people from his sins. And I want you to know this Jesus. I, the, the baby Jesus, that's cool. That's cool. You, you want to have baby Jesus in your nativity scene? That's fine. Um, the young Jesus teaching, amazing. The, the scholars at 12 years old teaching in the temple, that's fine. 
Uh, Jesus the carpenter, that's fine. Jesus the healer, that's fine. Jesus uh, the miracle worker, that's fine. But do you know Jesus as the one who is God that saved you from your sins? Because that's his purpose. He declared his purpose in Luke 19.10. He said he came to this planet to seek and to save that which is lost. If you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, you need Jesus to be Joshua for you. You need Jesus to be Yehoshua for you. You need Jesus to be the God who saves you. Because you can look to other gods, but they can't save you. You can look to church and religion, but that can't save you. You can try to be a good person, but that can't save you. Only Jesus is the God who saves us from our sins. So Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. No matter what your situation is today, Jesus wants to save you from it. If you need saving from hell, if you're not a Christian, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. You don't have to come shake my hand, pray a prayer. You just ask God to forgive you of your sins, save you. He'll do the rest. If you really believe that, if you really believe he's real, he died on the cross for our sins, and you ask him to save you, he will. But you might be saved for sure in this room, and you might need saved from some situation you're in right now. You might need him to, to, to save your marriage. You might need him to, 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 to save a, a, a physical situation, a spiritual situation, a financial situation. I want you to know, whatever your need is today, God is salvation. And his name is Jesus. He's a healer to those who will believe him for healing. He's a deliverer to those who will believe him for deliverance. He is a strong tower for those who will run to him and find safety. He is a battle axe for the weary who need help in their struggle. He's a hiding place for those who have been battered by the storm. He's a shelter in the midst of a storm so you don't have to take the brunt of it by itself. He is everything that you could ever need saving from. He's everything that you could ever need help with. He's everything that you possibly could have to meet your need is found in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.com. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.